no, that, <laughs> that was awesome. And cringy all at the same time. Oh, my goodness. That, they didn't take my advice. Listen, I had different words to say in front of that. You know, because we're doing Daddy Do-Over today, uh, Father's Day again. And so I wanted to say in front of that video, I wanted to say before they were fathers, they were lovers. But no one said you could write that. I actually thought it was a good tagline, but, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, Adrian, way to go, man. You're, look at that. You're, I mean, smooth as butter in that video. <laughs> I think you should bring back a little of that facial hair. I, uh, I like it. Hey, welcome to church, everyone. How you feeling? You feeling good? Come on, you feeling good this morning. All right. I'm so glad that each and every one of you here. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you're here this Sunday. Come on, give a huge shout-out to all of our first-time guests. We're so glad here in the room or watching online. Uh, I want to uh, take this time. We're going to uh, continue. If you weren't here last week, we're talking about this idea of free men because uh, we started it on uh, Father's Day last Sunday. And uh, as we were talking about it, um, I wanted to expound this. This is basically the basis uh, of our men's ministry here at New Heart Church. And so um, before we do that, we're going to uh, continue, but let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can all be together. Thank you for each and every person in the room and watching online. Father, I pray that they would be filled, God, with your power and spirit. God, things that they can't do on their own, Father, they would feel the connection to heaven, Father, to be able to do the things that you want them to do. Father, we're trusting in you this morning. God, we're open to you, God, and everything that you want to pour into us, God, we want to be open to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on. Everybody said amen. Amen. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 uh, is where we're uh, basing this uh, on. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. And says says this, it says, uh, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. In every place of worship, I want men to pray. And we talked about men praying. We talked about, and, and listen, this is not just for men. This is for all of us. Uh, I believe that every one of us can glean something from this. So I want every man to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, talking about worship. And so we talked about prayer. We talked about worship last Sunday, and I want to continue that thought of worship and that idea of hands lifted up to God because that worship that we see when people are lifting their hands to God actually doesn't start on the outside, it starts on the inside. And, and true worshipers actually worship from the inside out. And so if the inside is not working, the outside doesn't matter. And so you can look like you worship and it can look like you're connecting to God, but if the inside isn't right, then the worship does not matter. There are so many times that God says throughout Scripture, I, I don't need your songs. I, I, I don't need your sacrifice. I, don't, I want your heart. Because God works from the, come on church, works from the inside out. So uh, we need to make sure that our hearts are right. 
any parent knows this, that if you ask your kid to do something and they do it, but they do it with a bad attitude, it's, it doesn't work right, right? Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, clean up your room. Fine. I'll clean it up. Now we have a different issue. You know what I'm talking about? I, the issue was your, your dirty room. Now the issue is your dirty heart. And so now we got to work on that. And working on that is a lot harder than working on the room. But, but I, I can't let you just clean your room with that kind of attitude. I, I can't do that. I, I'm not going to allow you to carry that with you. Even though you might be doing the right thing, you're not doing it with the right heart. And so God looks at each and every one of us and says, no, I want to make sure that I'm getting worshipers that are worshiping not just in truth, but in spirit. They're actually uh, working and worshiping from the inside out. Your heart worship will work into lifting up your hands. And so guys, when, when, when Paul is talking about this and talking about worshiping, and maybe you have a hard time showing your worship, I would say first it has to start on the inside where no one sees. Because if the inside gets right, then the outside can't be contained. If the inside gets right, then the outside can't get contained. Jeremiah 20 verse 9 the prophet was talking about this when he, he said this, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. There's another translation that says his words are shut up in my bones like fire. Like I, I, I got, if I say I won't, but there's something on the inside that just, has to get out. How does that happen? It happens when you have the true worship on the inside, then outside worship can't be contained. And so I, I'm, I'm wondering, as I was reading this again and, and going back to this, I'm, I'm wondering if, if Paul was, was writing this, so he was writing to Timothy, but also writing to so many different guys. Um, he, he said, I want all men to do this, I wonder if he was thinking back to his own experience with worship. Because Paul had an experience with worship that would have marked him for the rest of his life. Paul had an experience with worshiping, not just worshiping on the inside, but, but worshiping on the outside that changed not just his life, but so many other lives. And, and if you've been at church for a while, you, you've maybe heard this before. This is Acts chapter 16. And Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 said, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. 
when I'm reading this, I, I can't help but think that Paul is going back to this when he's thinking about the power of worship. And he's like, no, listen, I want every man to lift up holy hands to God. Because if if you do this, something miraculous can happen even in a situation where you feel like you are at a dead end. Worship can do something and can do something that, that that maybe you could never do. Paul and Silas were singing. And so I'm wondering if he's writing this. And as he's writing that word, lifting up holy hands to God, he's thinking back to the moment where he worshiped and other people were listening. That's what the Bible said. So just so you know, your worship matters not just to God, but it matters to other people. Because other people are affected by your worship. And just so you know, there were so many people back in this jail cell that were listening to Paul and Silas worship. They were captive, but they were listening. There are people in your life that are captive, but they're listening to the way you worship. They are listening to the way you post on social media. They are listening to the way you talk to your neighbors. They are listening to the way that you talk to your boss. They are listening to the way you talk to your wife. They are listening to the way you talk to your husband. They are listening because your worship, the way that you live your life, not just the way you sing a song, but the way you live your life before God is heard by so many people and they are captive, they are in a jail cell and they're wondering how are they living their life? Because they say they're different but they're in the same problems as me. But yet they're worshiping. So I'll listen and see what happens. See what happens with their life. And I wonder if Paul's writing this. And as he writes, I wish that every man would lift up holy hands to God. Then he writes, free. Because he realized that the worship that happened in that Jesus felt was what gave him freedom. I wish, I wish that every man would lift up holy hands to God, free. But not free from a jail because that was my experience. Free from anger. Why did he say anger? What, why? Again, I'm wondering if he's going back to a situation. Beaten. Within an inch of his life. Whipped. Unjustly, as a Roman citizen, should have had a trial before he even was not just whipped, but jailed. Beaten, Silas, beaten. Thrown in jail. And I wonder if Paul was thinking, 
man, I'm glad I didn't get angry today. Because it would have been really easy to get angry, right? Oh, come on, don't church it up, right? And when you guys get cut off and somebody in, you know, line at a supermarket, you're like, I'm going to beat you with a, you know, like any little piece of injustice and you're ready to go. Imagine getting beaten and thrown in jail for no reason. Or the reasons were trumped up, the reasons were made up, the reasons were whatever. That would have made me mad. And Paul's sitting in jail. You know, imagine if he would have let anger take its course. God, I was doing what you wanted. And now I'm in jail. God, I was doing what you wanted. And, and now I can't pay my mortgage. God, I was doing what you wanted. But now I'm, look, I don't even have a relationship. Everybody else is dating and getting engaged and marrying and babies are flying around everywhere. And I'm single as it comes. God, what's wrong? Why, why, I did what you asked. God, I did what you told me to do. And life is giving me this. God, where are you? Don't you think Paul in that moment would have been sitting there and saying, God, this is not fair. God, you should do something different. God, you should, where, where are you making a way? Because you didn't make a way for me. And all of a sudden, letting anger starting to, and then, you know, listen, I mean, He's not only by himself, he's with Silas. Can you imagine Paul going through, if he was angry at this time, sitting there? Usually when you're angry, you first let all that stuff go through your mind. And then it comes out your mouth. Comes out. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Comes out of your mouth real nice and, no, not nice. And it's hard when you're mad and then you're with somebody else who's not mad. That's the worst. Could you imagine if Silas is sitting there singing hymns to God and Paul is sitting there saying, shut up, you moron. There's nothing worse than somebody who doesn't get as angry as you about the thing that you're mad. Come on, everyone. You know what I'm talking about? Anger is best when it's shared. And everybody knows it. If I'm upset, be upset with me. It feels better. You know, it's just how it is. I'm so glad that that didn't happen for Paul. Because that disease of anger would have stopped worship from happening. And I've noticed that a lot of guys have anger issues. Whether they're easily seen, you know, the big explosions of anger, the the Hulk-sized explosions of anger, or the ones that aren't seen. They're angry, but it's below the surface. And you're always running hot. But maybe nobody sees it, but you know it. 
You know, anger is a secondary emotion. Anger comes from pain, loss, or fear. It's a response. Anger is a response. It's a secondary emotion. So if you've had pain, you've had loss or fear, you're going to have that anger sometimes come out. And also anger is a response to you feeling out of control. So when you don't feel control over something, you get angry because anger gives you this false sense of control and power. But it does not help you. It only hurts you. You feel like it's helping you. It isn't. It's eating away at the foundation of you to be able to even worship God in a moment. Because you're responding in this way. I, I want to read this scripture. It's, it's Proverbs chapter 16. Paul said, free from anger. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Better to be patient than powerful. Let me just say that for a second. Better to be patient than powerful. No, no, no. You, yeah, you amen me now. How many times did we realize that when we were waiting for the electricity to turn on? Better to be patient than powerful. Shut up. I want it now. Better to be patient than powerful. What, what is that? Better to be patient than powerful. Then look at this. Then, then it goes on. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. The issue here he's talking about is anger. But he uses two different words, power and conquer, or control. Where do you, a lot of people feel like the only way to get power and the only way to get control is to get angry. So anger is the only way you can get the fruit of power and conquering the city. But then look what he, he says the other two. Better to be patient, and it's better to have self-control. Well, where do you get patience and self-control? It's fruit of the Spirit. So you can either live with the fruit of anger or the fruit of the Spirit, but you can't have both. You cannot have both. And when the Bible says, talking about self-control, what does that mean? That means, come on everybody, that means your emotions do not have to control you. You can control your emotions. 
I didn't say stuff your emotions. Because a lot of times people think that that's how I control them. I just stuff them and act like they're not there. No, that actually will cause a volcano of emotion at some point. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is there's actually a self-control that comes from the Holy Spirit of God that can actually get your emotions in check. So whether you're dealing with an anger issue or you're dealing with a depression issue or you're dealing with a sadness issue or you're dealing with uh, things that are out of control emotionally in your own life, that self-control comes from the Holy Spirit of God and means that you don't have to be controlled by your emotion. Because Paul said, I want you to be free from that. I want you to be free from anger. And then he said this, free from controversy. Now, you could, I mean, you, you could just throw a rock and hit something that's controversial in the world we live in, right? Come on, I could, I could start talking right now, and boy, I could get into a whole heap of trouble. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just start, hey, let me talk to you about, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, God, please don't do this because we live in a culture that is not free of controversy, it's full of controversy. And, and a lot of times, we, we look at this, especially when we, when we read something free of controversy, feel like, oh, okay, just bland. But that's not actually what this word means. This word actually is better translated self-doubt. Free of self-doubt. Will this really work, God? You go back to Paul's life. Paul, I'm doing what you asked me to do, God. I'm talking to so many people about who you are. I, I've, I've left the life that I was at, and now I'm in this new life, and now I'm thrown in jail. God, is this really going to work? Is this the end? Is this, God, is it, I, and, and, and yeah, I, I'm sure Paul had some doubts who he's fighting, but how many doubts are you fighting? How many things feel like you might, you, there, there's controversy on the outside, but you feel like you have controversy on the inside? There's things that you're constantly fighting. And God's asking you to be integrate, integrated fully. But it's hard to be fully integrated when you have controversy on the inside. You're fighting against yourself. And, and God's asking you to be something, but you feel like you could never be that. God's asking you to step out in this faith and in, in, in this dream, but you're feeling like there's never going to be the opportunity for that to happen. We're, um, we're trying to teach my son not to be scared of the water. And so 
we, um, he's doing great. But jumping off the diving board, it's like a big thing for him, you know. Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Okay. And so finally, we were like, all right, come on, Watson. Today's the day. We're going off the diving board. And he's like, no, no. I'm like, come on. Oh, we're good. Listen, I offered that kid everything. I was like, candy, money, freedom, give you a car. I mean, I was going down the line. We're, I mean, Jess was getting nervous because I was, I was putting everything out there. Let's do this. Listen, I could not get that kid on the diving board. I mean, he was just sitting there. Like, no, no, no. Now, listen, when I said a car, he kind of moved up, and then he sacked back up. No. I'm like, I... And then I said, okay, I'll go under the diving board, and I'll catch you. And he said, okay. And I thought, I thought long and hard about this. Because it, it, it is that tug of war that we feel with, I don't know if I can jump. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do, I, I, and no amount of pushing from somebody else or no amount of logical thinking is going to get you to take that leap and stop the controversy that is on the inside of you until you realize that there is somebody that's going to catch you every single time. And so many times that we miss the point of jumping off, we maybe have missed it because we feel like I'm the only one that's going to catch me. I've had to do it on my own all my life. I've had to fight these fights by myself. I've had to go at it alone. And even though I might be married or even though I've got a great family, I still feel like I got to do things by myself. And I got to push myself up and I got to do it. And so don't tell me about jumping off into something new. Don't tell me about trusting God with my finances. Don't tell me about being in a relationship with God where he wants me to dream new dreams. Don't tell me about all that stuff because I'm the only one that's going to catch me. And you can worship all you want. But something is life in life has taught you that no one's going to be there to catch, catch you. No one's going to be there to catch you. And it's not until that changes till you see and realize That God has never left you. And God will never leave you. And God will stay with you through every single breath of your life. From the time you started breathing to the time you give your last breath, 
God is there at every single moment. And as any, every, and, and so many times, there might be people coming in and out of our lives, but God promises, I will never come in and out of your life. I am in for the rest of your life, and I've got you. Every time you jump, I'm going to catch you. Every time you run, I'm going to be right beside you. Every time you fall, I'm going to pick you up. Every time that you feel like you can't go, I'm going to be the strength that you need. Every time you feel like controversy is eating at you, I'll be the peace that passes all understanding. Every time you're fearful of what you're walking into, I will be your courage and strength. I will be your all in all. And in that moment, that's when we can jump. That's when we can move. Paul said, I want, I want you to be free. Free from anger. Can I, can I speak to this? Just go back just a second. Some of you are dealing with anger because you really haven't learned how to forgive. And the anger is happening because of the wrong that was done to you. And so if you want to be free from it, you have to let that thing go. Some of you are, are dealing with so much self-doubt that it's almost put a pause button on your life. And God wants you to know, I'm here. Stop doubting and, and doubting yourself when I've asked you to jump. I've asked you to move. Because when you're free, free from anger, free from controversy, there's not just freedom for you. There's freedom for, for others. And, and let me read this real quick. Let's all stand to our feet. Um, go back to that Acts. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. Paul and Silas, they are worshiping. Free from anger. Free from controversy. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. How awesome is that? Not just Paul and Silas, right? Don't we think about that with God? You do the right thing, God will help you. If you do the wrong thing, God ain't helping you. 
I read this and I see that when we worship and when we give our lives to God, freedom just doesn't come to us. There is stuff that happens in other people's lives just because of your life. And some of you are like, they didn't deserve, no, no one deserves it. So look at this though. This, this is what I want us to see. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We all are here. This is so interesting to me. It's one of my favorite parts of this story. And honestly, one of the favorite, one of my favorite parts in all of scripture. That Paul says at this time, he said, sees the doors wide open. Everybody's chains are loosed. All freedom. And, and then the, the jailer sees this and assumes everybody is gone. I, I'm going to be killed. I might as well just kill myself. And Paul yells to him and says, stop. We're all right here. And when I read that, I, I, I can't help but see that we don't just get freedom to leave. We get freedom to stay. And when you understand that you have freedom to stay in places that maybe you want to run from because, oh, thank God I'm out of that. That moment is where God starts saving other people. There are people that are in your life right now that you have free, listen, you could run, you don't have to talk to them again, you don't have to be there in their life, but God's giving you freedom, but he's giving you freedom not to live, leave, but giving you freedom to stay, to stay in those relationships. And so many times, we miss it. So many times, so many times, there are people in our lives. They don't have any hope. But because you stay in their life, they have hope maybe for the first time. It's, it's not just about having freedom in this room. It's about people seeing your freedom with the people you work with. 
and our neighbors. People you go to school with. It's not just freedom to leave. It's freedom to stay. you and God in this moment. I'm going to ask all of us as a church and everybody watching online let's lift up our hands to God right here at this moment. Say God I just I want that kind of freedom in my life. Not freedom to live church. 